1: Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and this is the CEO Leaders Podcast Show. We've got one clear objective to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you better than before. Alongside is my faithful companion and our chief producer, Bill Foster. Hello. We want to remind you that you can subscribe to our show on all the usual suspects, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Uh, C-Suite Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Radio, and much, much more. And we drop a brand new episode of this podcast every single Tuesday. On the show today, all your favorite tech companies swear. They swear. (laughs) They swear by the Almighty that they're going to protect your privacy. And we're going to talk about that. And what is happening to our hamburgers? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Well, wait till you hear. We're going to talk about some uh, movies today, so we're going to have some movie talk, and you can see if you agree or disagree uh, with the lists, and also the element of guts. What role does having guts play in being a leader? All on today's action-packed, value-packed show. And uh, if you need a business advisor or an executive coach, I'd love to talk uh, to you about working together. My email address is Tony at ClearVisionDevelopment.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4. And you get a really good idea of my philosophy by following me on Twitter for sure. Eight to ten tweets a day with uh, quotes and business insights articles I post a brand new blog post every single Friday a brand new podcast every single Tuesday and either a new audio or a new video every week also so we're putting out a lot of content because we want to create value we want to help people uh, as I told a coaching client that was sitting in my office yesterday Hey, when I find people that have all the potential in the world, I want to help them develop that potential, and I want them to be as successful as they possibly can be. I also uh, work with a lot of CEOs and their management teams. I'll give you three scenarios where that could be possible. Uh, Sometimes your executive team just isn't cutting it. That's uh, unfortunate, and uh, you need to make a move and you need expertise, you need tools, and you need good data in order to make the right decision about the makeup of your team, Uh, we have what I consider to be the best data and methodology in the business for talent and for potential and uh, screening uh, executives and people that Uh, You want to look at for forming and and working on your team. So sometimes that's a scenario in which we would work with a client to help evaluate the team. And if somebody needs to be switched out or somebody needs to be added to the team, you can be very, very confident in your choice using our methodology and our process for putting uh, executive in place on your executive team. Also, sometimes you have people on your management or executive team that are talented and they got all the potential in the world, like I was just talking about, but they need coaching and they need help to get where they need to be. We provide tools and methodologies and processes to help get executives to a higher level. Thirdly, Sometimes you just need help clarifying your vision. It's why our company is called the Clear Vision Development Group. Uh, We get everybody on the same page. We've got a wonderful toolkit and methodology process to help your executive team formulate that clear vision, communicate that clear vision, articulate that clear vision, and get everybody on the same uh, page and cascade that throughout your organization. And so there are three scenarios in which um, me and my team here at Clear Vision Development Group could be helpful to you, uh, the CEO or executive, if you're looking for a little help and you want to optimize what you're trying to do in your company. Okay, Facebook is on the list, Google's on the list, and Apple is on the list of these tech companies that swear, Bill. They're on the record. They're testifying. They've raised their hand to the Almighty and said, you can trust us. They say privacy is a good thing. The government should be in on it. They should be protecting it. And you can completely and wholeheartedly trust them to respect it. (laughs) I'm just telling you what they're saying.
2: Right. But haven't there been a bunch of scandals about this?
1: Well, it's been called into question a few times. Yeah. Data being passed out unknowingly and unwillingly. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with all this, okay? Every one of those companies, Apple, Facebook, and Google, define privacy differently. Oh, okay. Okay. And they are also saying, and I understand this, I tell in my advice to a client, if I'm working with them, I tell them, Hey, there's going to be trade-offs, right? And I'll give you a classic example of a trade-off. Do you want your employees, if they have a complaint, do you want the complaint to be, because it's going to be one of the two, which trade-off are you going to pick? Do you want them to complain that we don't have enough communication? Or do you want them to complain that there are too many emails and meetings? Mm. But you're going to have to pick, right? Either they're going to get a lot of emails and there's going to be several meetings, or we're going to have a lack of communication. So which one? So you're not going to get to have this completely happy, I I have nothing to complain about environment. You're going to get some discomfort from somebody. Which trade-off do you want to choose? So let's take each one of these companies and kind of dive in this a little bit. Apple. Apple says privacy is primarily about keeping your personal data between you and your device, whatever that is, your smartphone, desktop, laptop, whatever. Mm-hmm. Facebook says privacy means limiting who can see what you post or send. Google says Privacy is emphasized as an option that you can either invoke or pass on. There's no one uh, all-encompassing privacy idea from any of these companies, right? Pick one. Pick, you know, whichever one you're looking for. So Google says you can click the privacy option if you want to or you don't want to, but there's not going to be any keeping your personal data, you know, Right. And you're not going to be limited on who the visibility on who can see what you search for. And then Apple says it's just going to be between you and your device, but some people could maybe see what you post or what you search for, and you're not going to have an option. Depending on which one you choose, you lose the other options. And we're getting into the, as we had um, Amy Suzanne on the other day, as we get into the robotics and cobotics era the artificial intelligence the voice activated assistance uh these companies along with amazon we'll throw them in there too uh they're gonna have a bigger role in our lives i mean they're 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 gonna be a bigger part of what's going on every single day with what we do right it makes total sense you know and you know in our houses you know you're out of toilet paper. (laughs) Well, do you want to be the one that says, yes, order toilet paper? Or do you want to turn the option on that just says, when I'm out of toilet paper or when I get down to two rolls of toilet paper, order another package. So you're just going to have to figure out. And, 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 you know, as well as I do that, I saw this happen in the eighties. Okay. I can go back to these ancient times, like the 1980s, (laughs) Do you remember the very large satellite dishes that people had in their their lawns? I knew people that swore to God they weren't going to have one of those big, ugly things in their lawn. But by the time that technology reached its peak, every house had one.
2: Yeah, I remember my parents having one.
1: And they could turn them with a rotator, you know, and based on which satellite you wanted to look at or whatever. And for a lot of communities that didn't have a lot of cable penetration in the 80s, that was how they got their cable channels like TBS and WGN and and stuff like that, right? right? But they just swore, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to have one of those big, ugly things in my yard. And then everybody has one, right? So it's like, I'm not going to have one of those Alexas. I'm not going to have that Siri. Eventually... The majority gives in right and 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 you do it, so I'm just saying it might be something that you want to think about and and look into, okay, let's talk about hamburgers, America's patriotic staple of every childhood and backyard barbecue mm-hmm. it's under threat last week, McDonald's became the latest major fast food chain to serve a plant based burger. Okay, saying it's going to test the big vegan T.S. in Germany. So it's not going to be tested in America, in Germany by the end of the year. So for our German listeners, you're going to get the big vegan T.S. at your local McDonald's. By the end of the year, such non-meat burgers are going to be in seventy two hundred Burger Kings, a thousand Carl Juniors and hundreds of other fast food burger places.
2: Cool, So the um, the the soy-based hamburger, mm-hmm. wasn't that first produced here at the university? I think so. And do you remember the name of the company that was spun off? I don't. Is it Almost Meat or something like that?
1: It, well, there's a company called Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat, that's it. Yeah, it just had its IPO.
2: Yes, that's the one. Yeah,
1: Beyond Meat. Uh, just went public. So you can buy stock in it if you believe in the non-meat hamburger.
2: I think it's going to take off.
1: Hey, there's a local bar here we like to go to called D. Rose in mm-hmm. Columbia. David Rowe is the owner. For those of you who can't figure out what the name means, D. Rose. I've had their uh, vegan burger or whatever. I mean, their vegetable burger, whatever it's called, vegetarian hamburger or whatever, it's good. Can you tell the difference? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, how much of it is actual taste and how much of it's in your head, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. Americans are intensely proud of their damn hamburger heritage. I can tell you that. It's one of the only American food inventions of the last 100 years. You know, the hamburger was invented in America. I did not Yeah, so it's only right that the vegetarian burger was invented in America, too. Uh, Now we've invented the fake hamburger. So there we go. Wow. So it's hitting the fast food distribution chain. So soon you'll be able to pull up and go to your self-serve kiosk and it might be even a time where you'll be able to walk into your favorite fast food hamburger place and make your own fake hamburger won't even have to interact with anybody you can order it on your own screen and a little turbo chef thing maybe comes out and you prepare it and put it all together and put it in your own bag and so I don't know what implications we're going to have there, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. thought I'd throw that in on today's big pop culture show. Uh, we're brought to you by this wonderful podcast, Better Than Before. is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Bill and I are coming back with some movie talk right after this. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent.
0: Room for up to eight passengers choice of second row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard eyesight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running, the Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard, but enjoying fewer rewards? Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before, and in this segment, Bill and I are going to do a little pop culture uh, talk back and forth. It's been a while since we've done this, and it seemed like as good a time as any. So we're going to talk about the most overrated movies of all time and the best movies of all time, except we're not going to give you our opinion. We're going to give you the opinion of millions of people around the world as submitted to the website www.ranker com and ranker.com makes lists of all sorts of things based on the feedback from people who go to the website and Bill and I were looking at the list yesterday and today when we sat down to do the podcast the list is somewhat changed so by the time that you listen to this it'll probably change some more so don't go check our work okay <laughs> because it's always changing because people are always giving uh, the list to ranker but this is, you know, here in the month of May, uh, on this particular day, this is the way the ranking went for, we're going to start with the 10 most overrated movies of all time. And number 10 on the list, Bill, is the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the Blair Witch Project?
2: Yes, I have.
1: Yeah, have you? I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through.
2: Oh, you have seen bits and pieces seen, of it? I've seen,
1: yeah. I remember when it came out in 1999. Yeah. And uh It's shot like it's on a home video camera, right? yeah, it's really tough to watch, is it especially for a professional producer I'm right
2: sure. yeah, it's all handheld
1: shaky cam
2: mm mm-hmm. and I know they did that for effect, but yeah the, i I would guess i not guess I agree with the the uh, most overrated, maybe even move it up a little bit
1: so this is all about how their video and sound equipment was discovered like a year later. And they watched what they shot, right? That's how the movie's unfolding. The Mm -hmm. recovered footage is what you're watching. And uh, I guess that's 1999. That's before the shaky cam was even a style. I think you're right. Right, even a style. So what's number nine? The English Patient. This is a 1996 not romantic comedy. This is classified in the romantic drama category. Yeah, so that's the movie with Ralph Fiennes and Willem Dafoe and Kristen Scott Thomas, the English patient. Number eight, most overrated movie of all time, Shakespeare in Love.
2: Again, I have not seen this. In fact, I've only seen two of these movies in the top ten.
1: Really? Well, I've seen it. It's Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Affleck, Judy Dench, who famously played the boss in the 007 movies. Oh, right. But um, it's an imaginary love affair uh, that's going on uh, between William Shakespeare and while he's writing Romeo and Juliet. So a lot of the characters are based on historical people. And my wife likes the movie. So Mm. what's number seven? Seven is Hostile. This movie came out in 2005, and it's a horror film. And um, Eli Roth uh, is the producer. And um, two college students traveling across Europe that get they get into all kinds of um, bad situations. So, um, yeah, I've only seen it once. It's been a long time ago and I don't Mm -hmm. really remember a lot about it since it's not one that's on my DVD shelf or in my digital library from Amazon.
2: So would you agree it's in the top ten for overrated? Well, I,
1: I can't imagine there's that many people that love it that it would be overrated, <laughs> but I suppose it is. I I would agree that it's probably in my lower tier of uh, movies that made a very big impression on me. So number six kind of hurts me because I really love this movie.
2: Mm. Dream Girls. I have not seen that one
1: either. Oh, my gosh. It's like it's like uh, if you had to imagine what it was like uh, uh, the Supremes and Motown oh yeah so it started out as a play and then it became a movie called Sparkle it was a Broadway play called Sparkle then there was a movie Sparkle and then that got adapted into Dreamgirls and uh, Beyonce is in it. Jamie Foxx is in it. He's Jamie Foxx plays the Barry Gordy type character. Eddie Murphy is in it, uh, playing a singer who it's, 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 it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I love the movie. I don't think it's overrated at all. Now there's, since there's only men on this show, I don't know how we're going to feel about number five, but I'm sure there are a lot of females that I know who would disagree with number five as being overrated. So that one is The Notebook. Yeah, The Notebook. 2004, um, Nicholas Sparks wrote the book. Nick Cassavetes uh, directed the movie. Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams in The Notebook. And you figure out that James Garner uh, and his wife are the older couple who are talking about the journal entries of the notebook and then you have a flashback to uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams living the events that have been recorded in the notebook and Mm -hmm. at the end uh, he's reading her the stuff that went on in their lives in the notebook and you discover that she has Alzheimer's. Oh. And they're in the uh, medical facility, and he comes and visits her every day and reads out of the notebook, oh. uh, right? And you know, um, there's all kinds of things there about the notebook make guys cry, right? So, hmm. yep, I don't. There's people who would not agree that that is overrated, but mm-hmm. uh, number four is Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, again, another one I haven't seen. So. This one has uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, this one has Anne Hathaway. It has, uh, you know, the late uh, Heath Ledger in it, and it depicts a romantic relationship between two cowboys, which is what's unusual about this movie. Is these two rough and tough cowboys, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, get into an affair with each other, and they keep it secret from everybody, including their families and uh Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway even marry while she doesn't understand or know that he's in a relationship with Heath Ledger and uh 2005 was when the movie came out and uh, won all kinds of awards like best picture and best director and stuff like that so hmm. so uh we're up to number 3 the
2: transformers
1: transformers so I was a little you know too old to be a kid in 2007 so mm-hmm. Um, But it's a science fiction action film. Michael Bay, who's directed a lot of great action movies, lots of explosive, as I call them, you know, like lots of explosions and lots of man movies. But uh, there was a toy uh, line called the Transformers that kids were buying the toys and all. And this is the movie version to bring those toys to live action life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I I have not seen the Transformers. So
2: that makes two of us.
1: So there's going to be another big romantic movie coming up here at number two that I'm sure a lot of our female listeners would not believe is overrated, and that is the Titanic movie.
2: Yeah, and this is one I've actually seen.
1: 1997 epic romantic disaster drama. <laughs> Covered all the bases. We got a big boat that's going down. We got people screaming for their lives. We got survivors. We got victims. And we got love Mm -hmm. in the Titanic movie. James Cameron, who also did the number one movie on our list. But how did you feel about Titanic?
2: I don't know about it being overrated. I
1: liked it. Yeah, I did too. I liked it. It's been a long time since I've watched it. but But I've seen it more than once. And I know what happens even before I watch the first one, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's what's so funny to me are people who are screaming for like, get off the boat. And I'm like, there's a bunch of people that don't get <laughs> off the boat. And um, one of the funniest things, and I, I'll tell this, about, and I, it's one of the, it's about my wife, and she thinks I love making fun of her, but we watched the Amelia Earhart movie. It's just called Amelia, you mm-hmm. know, where she's the lost pilot on the plane right and and we're both sitting there rooting for her to make it and we know she doesn't make it right maybe she'll find an island to land on or something (laughs) number one on our list avatar so avatar i actually saw this at at the movies this came out in 2009 epic epic science fiction film again directed by james cameron and um yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. It's mm-hmm. not something that I'd see forty times, you know. Uh, it's not, it's not like an American Graffiti or Animal House or something like that that I would have on my list where I watch them at least two times a year. Right. Um, but I mean, it's fine. It's back in two thousand nine. Those special effects were pretty neat and cool. Mm-hmm. But you ought to watch it. Okay. You ought to watch it.
2: So, would you add anything to this list?
1: Overrated. Yeah. I don't know. like, I don't know that I pay that much attention. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have one movie that falls into that category yeah, and I think that? you know what it is. No, I don't.
1: Oh yeah. Now I do. I just thought of it. Yeah. For Gump. Yeah. I gotta pee. <laughs> How many times have you actually seen it?
2: I have seen it once. All the way through. All the way through. I yeah, see at it. the theater. Yeah. And I thought it was a great movie. I just didn't think it was an Academy Award winner. Yeah.
1: Yeah no tom hanks i mean did a great tour de force acting job mm-hmm. you know uh, whether or not you agree it's um i can i can tell you right now it's not on our best movie list that was compiled by ranker.com so there are a lot of people out there that agree with you that it doesn't belong in the top 10 at least yeah. i i didn't look throughout the list to see if it was even on there i didn't either but I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be aghast yes. at you. Well, I, I catch a lot of grief. Yeah, at at you not uh, liking it or thinking it or thinking it's overrated. Okay, so here's the top 10 best movies of all time. And at number 10, we got Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back from 1980. Yeah, I love that movie yeah so this one is the one that opens up in the on the winter planet mm-hmm. and they've got all the snow and they got the big walker steel walkers and they're they they're they've got they're riding those big llama looking things and mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a cool opening
2: yeah i agree I, I i would agree that it is uh maybe one of their better ones too
1: but this this is also a uh, spoiler alert but if you don't want to know this, you know you might want to mute for five seconds and then unmute. But Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his father in this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great movie. I still remember going to the movies and seeing it. I think mm-hmm. I went to the movie in 1980 to see this like at least three times. I know. And oh I, wow! And it's in my collection for sure. Cool. Number nine, Schindler's List. This is a Steven Spielberg production. The actual book. Was called Schindler's Ark, and then the movie was developed from the book, and it all centers up around uh, Liam Neeson. Is uh, in the movie, so is Ralph Fiennes and Ben Kingsley. It's got a great lineup of, of actors and actresses in it. It's a little long, uh, you know. You're going to invest some time to sit down and watch Schindler's List. Uh, you know, it's three or four hours long. I can't remember, but it's it's a little long.
2: Now, I haven't seen this one, so is it like Amadeus long? or?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a little bit longer, actually, but wow. um, and it's in black and white. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's 1993 is the year it came out, and it's in black and white except for one little piece. Oh, interesting. There's one little piece of the movie that lasts maybe a minute and a half that's in color. And what's the I, reason? I don't, I don't want to spoil it oh, for anybody who's... Okay. This is one I don't want to spoil. But if you have not seen Schindler's List, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. You should see it because it's all about the Nazi regime in Germany, and it's all about helping Jews escape World War II and the the Holocaust. And I challenge you to look for the little piece of color that happens in the movie. Interesting. Yep. Number eight is The Matrix. These are the best movies according to a list voted on by fans on Ranker.com. This is Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss and the whole crew that kicked off the whole series of three or four Matrix movies. This one came out 1999, and uh, your friend probably wouldn't like this because it's science fiction, but it's all about living in an, an alternative universe. Is what we're living in real? Or is it a CGI-generated uh, reality we just think is real? That is the whole concept of it. Mm. Pretty interesting. You yeah. ever seen The Matrix?
2: No, I haven't seen it.
1: Oh, my gosh. You ought to come over and watch it. Okay. All right, number seven.
2: Uh, Godfather 2.
1: Yeah, this, I mean, I don't know how many times a year I see this one, but this is, is right? one of those. And it's a little long, too. You, mm-hmm. you have to invest three or so hours in The Godfather 2. But this is about uh, Michael Corleone, which is played by Al Pacino. Uh, He is taking over the family mafia, and this is all about him rising to power and trying to stay out of jail from the government, and all about how he's trying to invest into casino operations into Cuba, and the Cuban Revolution is in there, as well as Senate hearings when they were going on in the— forties and fifties. And, um, it's, it's, I mean, if it's on TV and I'm by myself and I'm surfing, I stop and watch some of it. Mm. So have you seen Godfather two,
2: just Godfather one,
1: just one, yeah, man, I I, I'm, there's a ongoing debate between which is better one or two. And I kind of fall in the two category. Now you can't really have two without one. Mm -hmm. But out of the two movies, I kind of think Francis Ford Coppola outdid himself when he did two. Like a lot of times, the sequel is not as good as the original, Mm -hmm. but I think this one is like a little bit better.
2: Yeah, I've heard this, and it's made me want to watch it. I don't know why I haven't seen it Most
1: Godfather fans totally agree three should be burned. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty bad. Well, I've seen it a couple times, and I actually own it because I'm a completist. I can't help Uh... myself. You know, if I, mm-hmm. you know, there's three of them, and I only have two. Well, I kind of got to have the third one just for posterity. But um, I, I, I fall in the two camp as the best of the two movies. Uh, number six is another mafia movie. This movie actually inspired the Sopranos.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So if you watch Goodfellas, which is number six on the best movies of all time list, this is uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, and uh, uh, this. Came from a book written by Nicholas Pileggi. Uh, Wise Guy was the name of the book, and this movie came out in 1990. Oh wow! And uh, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. Uh, it's just a uh, it's it's a classic movie. And if you're a Sopranos fan at all, you catch the references in Sopranos. I mean, there's a ton of Godfather references too, but there are a lot of Goodfellas references. Uh, in mm. there. And uh, as, as usual, anything Ray Liotta is in, he plays kind of the crazy psycho guy. <laughs> Number five.
2: Oh, The Dark Knight.
1: Yeah. So this is the second one in the Batman trilogy. I'll tell you another story about my wife and movies that uh-huh. goes with this. We went and saw the third Batman movie with Christian Bale mm-hmm. about... 25 minutes into the movie, my wife asked me for my truck keys because she left something at home. And I'm like, Oh, she doesn't like this. movie. (laughs) She doesn't like this movie. Um, but this one is the one with Heath Ledger Mm -hmm. where he plays the Joker. Uh, this one came out in 2008 and the guy who did all three Batman movies, Christopher Nolan directed it. And of course it's based on the DC comics character, Batman Christian Bale plays Bruce Wayne and uh, we got a great cast here with Heath Ledger, Gary Oldman, uh, and the whole and the whole crew. Michael Caine plays Alfred, and this is the one where Heath Ledger is the Joker.
2: Right now, is it, this isn't the one where um, did he pass away?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, and they finished the movie. Okay, yeah, but they finished the movie after he passed away. Yeah, but he did most of his parts, so they went ahead able, with it. Yeah, yep. So interesting movie, but not like something you want to watch if you need a big positive shot. You know, <laughs> it's you need to be on pretty firm, solid ground before you watch it, or it's you know, it's it's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence the title, right? Yeah. Number four is Star Wars. So this is the original mm-hmm. in the now what we are up to eight movies in is the, that right? We got one one more new one in the whole original. Nine-part series still to come. But this is the one that started it all in 1977. This is the one that was so popular in 1977, we got great television like Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this is probably the one that even got the whole Star Trek movie series to come back. Mm. I mean, so Star Wars was George Lucas's brain trust uh, idea that, uh, he went to, um, he started out working for Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, they did American graffiti together. Okay. And, um, so George Lucas, always a big sci-fi guy and, uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, uh, all these wonderful characters like Chewbacca and Han Solo and princess Leia. Um, um, So I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah,
2: I remember when it came out, and everyone was telling me how great it was. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that great. And I went to see it, and it was actually better than what they said it was.
1: Yeah. I was uh, 14, I guess, Mm -hmm. somewhere around in there when it came out. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, sci-fi was not a big genre that did well in the 70s -hmm. until, bam, I mean, it just blew the roof off. What do you think it was about it that started the whole
2: I think it's the epic um, mm. you know it, it's it was the beginning of an epic but space it was got kind of the combination of the two
1: Yeah George Lucas said that he got the whole idea uh, because he used to go to movie serials as a kid ah. and he used to go to the movie theater every Saturday they'd have a new I mean, this is before television was big, right? So Mm -hmm. you go to the movie theater, and before the movie, they would show Flash Gordon or some serial where it would be episodic, and every week there was a new episode, Mm -hmm. right, of that series. That makes sense, yeah. And so it it even starts out with that flat graphics of the – Oh, yeah. telling you how the movie's going to start and what the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that's straight out of an old movie serial. That's how they used to do that. So That's, that's kinda awesome. Weird. Number three is Pulp Fiction.
2: Yes, um, Pulp Fiction. Um, that's a movie I could only watch once. Why a, is
1: that? It was a little rough. Oh, not because you thought it was overrated? No, I
2: thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Um,
1: there are really funny parts in it. And
2: there's parts where you're laughing where you shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. This uh, is the hookup of the dynamic duo of Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, where right. they're hitmen, right? Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Willis is in it. Uma Thurman is in it. Uh, uh, just kind of a you know, there's some really uh, recognizable character actors in there, and
2: yeah, and the way the story is told is very stylized.
1: Quentin Tarantino uh, is kind of a breakout movie for Mm -hmm. him kind of put him on the map made him a name as a as a director and his use of music uh and songs uh, is something that made it kind of cool too and the dancing Mm -hmm. uh, in it was something that was a little iconic too but it came out in 1994 believe it or not wow
2: i didn't know it's that long ago time flies yeah
1: time flies number two
2: shawshank redemption
1: yeah, this is also a 1994 movie. It was a good movie, a good year for movies back there in '94.
2: Yeah, this is in my top ten for sure.
1: 23 years ago, right? 20, no, 25 years ago. Wow, 25 years ago for 1994, and um, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. What a great mm-hmm. on-screen combo! Those guys developed a friendship in prison, and uh, Andy Dufresne is that character's name. And uh, just it's it's a good movie. It really is. Number one is the aforementioned Godfather. So Godfather one from 1972, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and uh, wow, this is from a book by Mario Puzo and uh, Marlon Brando mm-hmm. playing uh, the Godfather, uh, Mister Mr. Corleone. Yeah. And uh, Al Pacino and uh, James Kahn and Robert Duvall. Just a great, great cast of characters. Right. And and many, many catchphrases.
2: I don't know. you know, How do you feel about it being number one?
1: I can see that. You know, 217,357 people, you know, so mm-hmm. almost a quarter million people agreed right. that it was uh, number one with about a 60-40 split um i don't know just so many people um quote it uh it's almost like it's in everyday language and some people don't even know they're quoting it they're just saying things that were in it you know mm-hmm. um and whenever like going to the mattresses you know it's going to the mattresses has probably been used in a lot of movies when it there's gonna be a fight coming down, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna to go to the mattresses. Leave the gun, take the cannoli, you know, that's another one, <laughs> you know. Um, but I don't know. I like it. Yeah.
2: Well, I know you liked Godfather too um better. I right? did. And I don't know if you'd flip those or not.
1: No, I I mean I'm I'm good with it. I mean, I it could go either way. I mean, of 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 fans that I've interacted in and just as I followed it, you know, the history of the series and everything, there is a um there's an argument about which is better, right? And and those who think Godfather is better, they always say there can't be a two without a one. <laughs> there
2: you there go. could
1: there could be a one without a two. Yeah. But there could never be a two without a one. So I get that argument also. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you a couple more. Do you ever go see The Exorcist?
2: I didn't go see it. Go to see it, but I, I haven't seen it on TV.
1: I went and saw it. So in this little town, I've probably talked about it before, but this little town in Kentucky that I grew in, mm-hmm. up in, there, were only, there was only one other guy who was my age. Everybody else was older, right? And so a couple of my friends were one year older, and a couple of other of my friends were two years older. And they talked me into going with them to see The Exorcist. And I was unsettled. As, uh, a, as a kid i mean it it freaked me out i'm just yeah. here to tell you i mean actually i'll be honest it made me sick mm-hmm. uh, and back then you know they dramatized everything we'll have barf bags available you know in the movie you know or, <laughs> or we'll have a medical personnel on staff to uh-huh. i remember there used to be movies back in the 70s came out the towering inferno and um, those kinds of movies, where it's like we'll we'll have medical staff on hand in case anybody <laughs> has a heart attack or passes <laughs> out. But I but I did get really I don't know uh, I was nine. Wow. Yeah, I was nine. I yeah. went and saw The Exorcist. What was the first movie you went to?
2: The very first movie I went to. That's a good question. My parents took me to a drive-in movie theater, and I saw The Million Dollar Duck. I think that's what it was. The Million Dollar
1: Duck. <laughs> right on. I think that was it. I don't remember the title, but it was a Tarzan movie. Okay. Um, and I believe it was, I think my mom worked, she worked at a factory in a town a couple of miles away. And they would have a employee kid day at the movies, where oh. employees could come and bring their children. And mm-hmm. my mom uh, brought me, and we went and saw this, and it was a Tarzan movie. I can't, I I think it was Joe Ely mm. um, who played Tarzan. But I don't remember the name of the movie. I just remember I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Africa and Tarzan with a loincloth swinging on a vine and doing the famous yell and all these animals and the elephant stampede and Tarzan Uh wrestled a snake in the water. And I just thought that was
2: cool. So how old were you? Six. Six.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Six.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back. I think maybe before I saw the Million Dollar Duck, it may have been Snow White.
1: Oh well. Wow. The yeah. the Disney movie.
2: Right. Um I remember my father took us and I think it was because my mother was buying uh Christmas gifts for us.
1: Did they ever show movies to you at school?
2: Not movies, the, you know, just the usual um
1: That's where I saw Old Yeller.
2: Oh, is that right?
1: Yeah. I saw Old Yeller when I was 7 or 8 mm-hmm. and it was on a reel. And they showed it on a projector at the classroom.
2: Well, now that you mention it, I think I might have seen Old Yeller
1: at at school. Yeah, I did. Okay, so those are the top ten most overrated movies and the top ten best movies of all time as ranked not by us but by Ranker.com, which is driven by participants' votes. And so if you want to check that out, you can. Uh, I'm sure the list is different uh, as of uh, listening to this. If you go there, it's a little bit different. But uh, we just thought we'd pass that along to you, and it might be kind of interesting, and you get your own discussion going at your workplace or with your spouse or friends about the most overrated movies, the best movies, and maybe even the first movie you've ever seen. I'll be doing your business and leadership lesson next on Better Than Before. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight
0: passengers. Choice of second row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard eyesight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running, the Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and in this short segment, I want to talk to you about the element of guts in being a leader. When you're a leader there are going to be times where you're going to have to dig down for some intestinal fortitude. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what that's like, the reason it's important and so on and so forth. But one thing I can tell you is the more you go to your limits, the more your limits will expand leadership's all about bold moves. It's about doing what's right rather than what's easy. Leadership is definitely not a popularity contest. As a matter of fact, the more you lead, the more brilliantly you shine, and the more you become a truly great performer, the more people will not understand you, and they will challenge you, and they will criticize you. It just goes with the territory. What I've realized is the very nature of playing it world-class means you're going to disrupt the status quo. The very nature of being exceptional means you're going to behave and think in a way that most people are not willing to behave or think. You see, most people not only refuse to embrace the opportunity of being a leader, most people are too scared to embrace the responsibility of leadership because that means they're going to have to change. And that means they'd have to refuse to be eh, maybe average. They'd have to work harder, they'd have to dig deeper, they'd have to innovate, they'd have to connect with more of their personal potential. They'd have to crank it out and convert that potential to reality in the world. And that means they'd have to leave what they've always known. They would have to leave the safe harbor of the known and sail out into the unknown. And most people, they're just too scared and too threatened to do that they don't want to change. They just don't want to be put into the unknown, which is where true potential resides. So you're going to need a lot of guts to be a great leader. You're going to need a lot of guts to play at your absolute best. You're going to need a lot of guts to be a visionary, and you're going to have a a lot of guts to say, you know what? The marketplace has never done this before, or here's a new way to deliver our product, or Here's a new product we can bring that can serve customers and make the world a better place. People will not understand that. They'll ridicule you. They'll make fun of your idea. They'll make fun of you. Um, Or if you become really successful, people will try to tear you down. There's a reason why those magazines at the checkout counter at the supermarket are so popular. Because people kind of like it when people have a fall. You're basically giving them a glimpse of what was possible for them and things that they've passed up on and opportunities that they've missed. And they'd like to just pass you off as lucky. You know what I found? I found the harder you work, the luckier you get. Isn't it funny how that works? And it's a lot easier to criticize somebody and tear you down rather than owning personal responsibility for themselves. So guts is what you're going to have to have to be a great leader. And especially if you want to do something that's never been done, you want to break out of the mundane, you're never going to be great working nine to five. You're never going to be great working 40 hours a week. You're going to have to work harder and have more guts to perfect the craft that you're choosing to take you to the next level. Well, that's our show today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hey, I just want to remind you, I'd love a five-star rating from you on our podcast. That would really, really help us out. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Tony Richards 4 and you can follow the Clear Vision Development Group at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster. I'm Tony Richards, and don't you dare forget, no matter where you go, there you are. And everything gets better when you get better.
0: Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.